This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Tina Zion. Tina is a fourth-generation psychic medium and specializes in teaching medical intuition and mediumship. She has taught her medical intuition workshop in Australia, New Zealand, UK, Europe, Canada, Mexico, and throughout the USA. Both of her medical intuitive books have won first-place awards. Become a Medical Intuitive won first-place gold from the Body, Mind, Spirit Book Awards in 2019 and Advanced Medical Intuition won the 2020 COVR Visionary Award. Tina is a faculty member at the Omega Institute of Holistic Studies in New York, 1440 Multiversity in California, and Fellowships of the Spirit in New York. She is a registered nurse, graduating from Purdue University, and holds a National Board Specialty Certification in Mental Health Nursing from the American Nurses Credentialing Association. Tina is a Gestalt-trained mental health counselor, graduating from the Indianapolis Gestalt Institute in 1997. She received her certification in clinical hypnotherapy from the American Council of Hypnotist Examiners in 1985, specializing in past life regressions and certified through the Michael Newton Institute in Life Between Lives Regression. She studied Reiki since 1991 and has taught hundreds of students over the years. Tina is a worldwide best-selling author of four books, Become a Medical Intuitive, The Complete Developmental Course, Advanced Medical Intuition, Six Underlying Causes of Illness and Unique Healing Methods, The Reiki Teacher's Manual, and Reiki and Your Intuition, A Union of Healing and Wisdom. She is also a contributing author in Michael Newton's book, Memories of the Afterlife. Tina's current private practice now focuses completely on teaching intuition and specializing in medical intuitive instruction. She now teaches all over the world as well as offering individual mentoring sessions. Reach out to Tina to see her workshop schedule or to arrange a personal mentoring session at tinazion.com. Here is the interview with Tina Zion. In your own words, who is Tina Zion? Let's see. I would say that I am a soul the, who is uh, experiencing a physical life like uh, we all are here listening. And I want to become as a soul the most expanded and the most aware that I possibly can be. And so I, would, I guess I would say it that way. 
Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Become a Medical Intuitive, the Complete Developmental Course, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. What is life, Tina? What is life to you? Life is all about learning. It's all about learning from our experiences. It's all about advancing in our awareness. It's all about learning from all experiences, no matter if we measure them as negative or positive. It's about learning about our, mostly learning about ourselves. And I do have some questions about that for later. For now, let me ask you two more questions about life. What do you think is the opposite of life? Well, living without awareness. Mm -hmm. And actually, the word zombie came up. Uh, and what that always means to me, even though it's in movies and, you know, crazy stuff, it means living uh, very unconsciously without um, deliberation, without realizing our own empowerment as an individual. So I guess that's how I would answer that one. That's a wonderful question. I really like that. What do you think is the ultimate purpose of the human experience? The human experience tends to be very emotional, probably more emotional than thoughtful very frequently. And so my hope as an instructor and teacher about this, that uh, not only do I want this for myself, but I hope this for others, is to be literally more thoughtful about our thoughts and to actually notice that our emotions are the power underneath our thoughts, either and it can either be uh, a low energy power or it can be a very high vibrational power, but uh, it has so much to do with thought and emotion and what we do with that. That's an interesting perspective. I'm wondering if there's a difference between feelings and emotions from your perspective. Feelings uh, are more, um, I would say, literally uh, intuitive, that feelings are noticing the sensations uh, as we go through life, where emotions are that, I get that, that power, and it's either a, a very positive power or a mediocre power or a weak power or a negative power. Do you think it's possible to navigate this reality without emotions? No, because emotions are not negative. You know, they're very important, and it is part of our learning. It's what we do with the emotions, which counts, I think, just as, as equal as, uh, as our thoughts. They, they merge together. So just becoming more aware of our emotions, of that energetic power. Yes, yes. And, and you know, is it uh, working uh, positively for us? Is it interfering? Is it making us ill? True. And, you know, in the sense of medical intuition, is it uh, leading to illness or is it empowering ourselves? You inspired me to ask you a, a question about what do you do. So do you believe that emotions are the cause of most of our illnesses? 
I teach medical intuition, how to do medical intuition all over, uh, all over the place. And a physician was attending my course, as many do, came up to me at break and he says, I think there is emotion under every illness. And I said, absolutely. And that's where we're going in this workshop is that emotion uh, will lead to our enhanced wellness or it will tend to congregate in certain areas of our body and make us um, more ill. It is possible to have a negative emotion in our bodies, but not become aware of them? Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, so many people struggle to to even be aware that they have anger. Mm. And there aren't, emotions are not wrong, but some emotions like you know, shame, guilt, uh, unresolved uh, grief, things like that have a, uh, an extremely low and sluggish vibration. And so it, they tend, because of that slowness, they tend to become uh, more physical in nature, and that will tend to congregate uh, more readily in our physical body to make us ill. Last year, I interviewed Bradley Nelson. That was the first time that I was introduced to this idea of this field of emotions and how they affect us. I was amazed by. But it's interesting. We know these things, but I'm wondering why so many of us don't do something about it, don't try to heal those emotions. I would say that what people generally struggle about is realizing how powerful and in charge they could be. And I think that is the struggle underneath this is people feel helpless. They have felt like they're a victim. They, they don't realize that truly we are in charge of our thoughts, our emotions, our experiences, our responses. And I would say it's one of the primary things that I speak about and love to speak about is how empowered we are. But I'm telling you, there's so many people that they have no idea. They have no idea. So what is intuition? Intuition is literally simply information. And to be intuitive is literally simply noticing the information as it comes to us. I would really boil it down to that. It's, it's information. And we, right now, as you and I sit here talking, we are uh, breathing information. We are sitting in information. Uh, it, the, the space around us is not empty. It's full of information. So it's a, just a matter of noticing it and receiving it and allowing it to guide you. So that's what I would, that's how I would describe it. Do you distinguish intuition from mental activity or day-to-day thoughts or even imagination? Intuition will never, ever, ever, ever stop feeling like it's our imagination. It will never stop feeling that way because um, I have seen and experienced deceased people since I can remember since I was a tiny child, and it's still feels just as imaginative. And it's very much a part of what I do uh, still, but 
uh, it will never stop doing that. And I can't tell you how many people have said that made all the difference in the world for them because they always thought, oh, I just dreamed that up. And really, it will never stop feeling like that. And the difference between intuition and our our thinking mind, our thinking mind is always trying to sort things out. It's always trying to figure things out. And intuition is never trying to figure it out. So so when we're thinking, 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 you know, we will go, oh, I should do that. Oh, I better not. Well, if I do that, it'll be okay. Oh, maybe it won't be okay. It'll be things, it'll be winging around all over the place. But intuition will always say exactly the same piece of information and it will never fluctuate. So if if you're uh, trying to make a decision or if there is an issue or a struggle in your life, when your thoughts are flying around all over the place, well, that's your thinking mind. But underneath that will be a quiet, consistent piece of information that never fluctuates about the issue. I'm wondering about also dreams. Could the intuition communicate through dreams? Yes. What I would want the listeners to notice for themselves about dreams is intuition will tend to come even more in our dreams, and especially our deceased loved ones will come in more often in our dreams when we are not paying close attention in our waking time, uh, spirit or our deceased relatives will tend to utilize the dream time because our thinking mind isn't in the way. And so they can they can actually, you know, send us signals, messages and things like that much more readily is what I have found over the years. Because our thinking mind, you know, is not so so busy. It's not so active. So it's not getting in the way. And I have two questions. The next ones that relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love most about being a woman? Wow. Now that question I did not expect. I have experienced, as we all have, past lives of male and female. So to me, it is like a um, a different angle um, a different uh, coming from a different direction to experience life as a female and then to experience it as a male. I um, have loved it in that from at least in my personal experience, it has brought me uh, a gentleness. I think it's brought me a gentleness in uh, understanding other people. Uh, it's never gotten in the way. I've never experienced that it's gotten in my way at all. And I not wished, you know, I was a male. Uh, but it, uh, for some reason, I'm coming that it's brought me a gentleness in this life anyway. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman from your perspective? Gosh, I don't know. I'm literally blank about the challenges of it because I've not experienced that it's um, been a challenge really in any way. It feels very equal to me. And I've always felt very equal in, in um, the world with, with males. So in a challenge in particular, hmm, and nothing's coming to mind. That's an interesting answer. Yeah, that's refreshing. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Tina? What is to be liberated? 
See, I just take, when you ask me these questions, I literally take the leap of thought. I take what pops, literally pops into my mind. And the liberation is, for me, is not to be confined or pushed down or burdened with those heavy emotions that I go into anything that might be a heavy emotion. I explore it. Uh, for my in my own personal life, I help other people explore theirs rather than trying to tamp it down, box it away, put it aside. I say no, let's check it out, let's get to know more about it, and it has a great deal to do with healing because how I would say healing, what healing is, if I could simplify it to the bare bones, would be release release of burdens, release of the emotions that are burdensome. That's kind of my long answer to that. So that another question came to mind about heavy emotions, negative emotions. How do we explore those emotions? You, you use the word exploration. How do we even begin? Because sometimes they can be very painful. Underneath all physical pain that we have as human beings, there's always emotional pain. And the the two are not separate. And I call them uh, heavy emotions or negative emotions because they literally, the, the vibrational frequency is slow and thick and tends to be kind of sticky, where when we are feeling love and joy, happiness, and even bliss, it's a very fine light, very fast frequency that that permeates our entire body. And that's what why it brings us so much health, where the, the density of those other emotions tend to congregate. And so to, to say a little bit more about that, uh, sometimes uh, someone might say that they are suffering in so much grief because of the loss of their loved one. And I'll say, well, where do you notice that in your physical body? And they'll say, well, I don't know how to do that. And I'll say, oh, sure, just slow down and just take your time and just check around. And they might say, I'm just making this up right now, but they might say, well, it feels like a, a, a huge stone in my chest or a huge rock. And I'll say, well, now it's going to feel like your imagination, but I want you to just Go down and and notice the size of the rock. Notice the shape of it. I want you to walk all around it and see the texture and the color. And I do this much more slowly with the person than I'm saying it right now because I want them to notice each one of those things about it because they're literally exploring the emotion that has become so dense and heavy, and they have discovered the location of it too. So it's really about checking it out in a deeper way. And then my goal is to eventually, when they notice all these things, ask the rock what it needs to heal, and they always will get an answer. They will always get an answer, and everyone's answer is different because we're such individuals. But My next question is about the current situation. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Well, you're, you calling something the current situation could be all kinds of things. But the world always needs, that we always need to realize that we are a soul, first and foremost. And if we could 
perceive everyone around us as a soul as well. And where is that soul at in their development and uh, how that soul is learning in a different way than what we are. And to embrace and love our diversity. Uh, And we could do that more and more if we realize that we are an, an eternal soul right here, right this minute. And if we look out of our soul eyes into the, all the people around us, instead of seeing what they have on or their color of their skin or their personality, to perceive them as an eternal soul, uh, it brings a, a whole different awareness to life going on around us, no matter what the, the primary issues are at the time. What is love to you, Tina? You have the greatest questions. Love is that sensation, that vibration. It's an electrical surge of energy, very fine, very light, that uh, permeates everything because it is so fine and so light. And it is literally can come to us more and more when we look out of the eyes of our own soul and not out of our personality or who we are, what we do for a living and things like that. It's what can constantly be in our life every day and every minute if we understand the world around us as a soul. In fact, even the soul of the earth is part of each of us being a a soul on the earth. That brings me to another question about the soul. Because I'm wondering, like you said, eternal, so there's no ending. I don't think, you know, some people will tell me, because, because I, um, I mentor people to achieve uh, their intuitive uh, skills and, and their awareness. And sometimes they say to me, well, I, I can't be a healer for other people uh, until I'm completely healed. And I, here's what I would say to that. We are never a finished product, in, at least in my experience. <laughs> we're never a finished product. We don't end up at the end of the assembly line all complete. And, uh, you know, it's an, it's an advancement. It's a, it's a beautiful process if we allow it to be beautiful. I love that. We say it if we allow it to be beautiful. Yeah. It is an allowing, yes. Yeah, I agree. What is your understanding and idea of inner peace? Everything is energy, and I do mean everything. And so inner peace is an alive human being. It is that uh, release of wanting constantly. It's that release of hoping everybody changes. It's it's that um, peaceful place of experiencing the world as it is. And understanding it as um, it's evolving too. And that brings me a, a great deal of peace, a great deal. Do you ever use the word God? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm very fine with the word God or source or, yes, I'm fine with that. Some of my clients have not been, but it is a, a word is simply... Um, a vibrational spurt as well. When we think words, each word has uh, a a frequency to it. And then when we string words together, the sentence has its own frequency to it. So the word God is uh, absolutely fine with me. 
I'm not sure if that's what you meant, but I think for some people, as you said, they choose not to use the word God because it is attached to dogmas and religious beliefs. Yes, yes. Well, I said um, the word uh, holy to a, a client, oh, not too long ago, and she said, I have a struggle with that word. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the word God, but <laughs> right. but but it also, if, if we... Uh, if we're triggered by a word, that always really says there's more to do, more to explore, uh, that we are triggered emotionally by something, a word or an event or whatever. Oh, yeah, or anything. <laughs> or anything, yeah. So true. So how did you become a writer, Tina? My brother asked me a similar question. He said, how do you write a book? <laughs> I uh, felt this urge to it began actually because because I've written four books now and I'm working on my fifth at the moment, but the first one uh, the first uh, one was about Reiki, and it's I felt the urge to help people with their struggles, and so many people were struggling with how to do Reiki, how to experience it. Um, they became fearful because it opened up their intuition and they didn't understand what was happening. And so that really is what prompted all of my books was sensing people's struggles. And uh, it's my attempt to um, bring some guidance because I really don't write my books. I turn it over to my professors. And so, so much of it is, is written for me. I'm just typing the computer out for it. So your book become a medical intuitive did you set in an intention when you wrote that book my intention is to help people to learn that the non-physical world exists number one and that the true balance in life in my opinion my humble opinion is the true balance in life is to literally live with one foot in the physical and one foot in the non-physical at the exact same time, because then it is a true blending of our experience. And that's, you know, everybody's saying, oh, bring balance into your life. Well, to me, the the true balance is a foot in the physical and the non-physical at the exact same time. And then I also wanted to help people to help other people because I felt, well, there's only one of me, but if I teach other people how to do medical intuition and how to notice their intuition in general, then there's a domino effect. Then I will be able to touch and help more people if I teach people how to do this. And then they can go out and create that domino effect um, all over the place, hopefully. Yeah, that's a wonderful mission, wonderful vision. So what is medical intuition and mediumship? And also, how did you discover you were a medical intuitive? Or how did you discover your medical intuitive abilities? Per se? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the general intuitive part uh, really began in our childhood because we, uh, before the age of six or seven, we are very, very intuitive and the more acclimated we get in life to the physical world, we tend to lose track of it. But in my family, we were uh, expected to be intuitive. And so it was never tamped down or we were never told you're wrong. 
uh, there was no classes in it or anything. It was just you were expected to be intuitive. It was very natural if you you saw uh, your deceased grandmother and everyone, you know, would ask you, OK, what what she say? What do you what did she have on today or something like that? So that part was very, very, very uh, natural. And then um, when I was, oh, I don't know how old I was, but maybe in my 40s, uh, the I was giving a lot of Reiki to people. I was doing Reiki sessions. And I realized suddenly that I was looking inside of people's bodies. And that's really how the, the medical aspect of it began. And so I started to tell people, I said, well, you know, I got some intuitive information during the Reiki session. Do you want to hear it? And no one ever said no. That They would, oh, yes, tell me everything. And so I would. And that's really how it started. And people were asking me, well, how are you so accurate? And I said, I don't know. You know, I'd always say, I don't know. And I got to thinking, well, now, wait a minute. This is really helpful for people. How how am I doing this? And so I started taking notes and I examined myself uh, and explored myself for, oh, probably seven or eight months. And just someone would leave and I would and I'd say, okay, now I noticed this happened, this happened, this happened. I'd write it down. And that led to become a medical intuitive. That's really how that that book happened, because I thought, no, people need to realize they can help people in a multifaceted way. So one of the things that's different, I guess, what I teach and talk about is I, I want to give ac- accurate information, but when I was doing readings, I always, my goal was to take it to a profound healing in some way. Do you think anyone can become a medical intuitive? Yes. In fact, we're wired to be intuitive. We humans are made to be intuitive and to actually do this uh, for other people. It, not everybody wants to do that. So if people have a, uh, a sense that, oh, I want to help people at this level, uh, if they have a passion for it, then that's the direction that they should should take it. But everybody's wired to be intuitive. They simply blow it off. They don't recognize it as intuition. They don't believe themselves. They don't trust themselves. But we're all made to be intuitive. Um, That's like the caveman before he walks out of the cave, checks his intuitions as there is saber-toothed tiger out there that's going to get me. We're truly, naturally made and wired to be intuitive. It's what direction you want to go with it. Yeah, I love what you said about trust. So there's a lot to do with um, trusting oneself. It has everything to do with the trust everything because people they don't realize how powerful they are and so they don't trust themselves and when we trust ourselves we're really acknowledging oh wait a minute i really have these abilities wait a minute i'm really doing this this is accurate in my own personal life i can be accurate for other people it's all about trusting it i love that subject of trust <laughs> do you do yes. yeah 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 it's similar to faith in a way although i don't use that word we have an idea like you call it intuition imagination but we don't know for sure the mind cannot get hold of that information and say i know for sure 
Well, one of the ways to learn to trust is if a piece of information actually pops in, leaps in, jumps into our awareness, I always trust it with absolute. I absolutely trust it because it it was not my thinking mind. If it popped in in some way, shape or form, if it popped, I trust it without question. Let me ask you this question then. Do you think that intuition, that this thought we have, or that we call it intuition, we follow because we trust, as you just said, could that be even something negative, asking us to do something that is not loving? If it is not loving, it is not intuition. It is interference, uh, could be interference from uh, a deceased person hanging around you. It could be interference from living people around you, pushing negative thoughts at you. Uh, so that's really how I would say that the truth of intuition is that it will never be about harm for yourself or someone else. It will never take from someone else either. So that's how I'd answer that. If it's not love, it's not intuition. It's not from the right source. Yep. Great to know. So for a moment, Tina, talk to me about the history of medical intuition. Medical intuition is probably a new uh, term that's uh, actually uh, Norm Shealy. I heard him uh, speak and he said that uh, he feels like he coined that term and started uh, that that phrase, but medical intuition has been going on throughout humanity throughout time because uh, that's what the the shamans and uh, the native cultures are doing. They are working with uh, intuition. They're working with energy fields. So it's been ongoing. It is the oldest thing around, actually, the oldest healing around. It's not a new thing at all. Uh, probably the term medical intuition is more recent, but the the process of uh, energetically healing is certainly not new. You talk in your book about the three primary causes for failing as medical intuitive, and you speak of fear, emotions, and then expectations too. Would you like to add to these three points of these three causes? Well, yeah, especially expectations, because people are receiving, even if they don't think they have an intuitive bone in their body, they are constantly receiving information and constantly receiving intuitive information, but they don't recognize it as intuition. They simply do not categorize it in that way so they don't even realize and that's uh, one of the things that I discuss a lot with people is they will say well this happened this happened I'll say well do you realize that you that was intuition that you just received and a lot of it is synchronicity in life right now I'm writing about synchronicity in my book I'm working on right now that it's synchronicity is not magical. It's not magic. It feels magical, but it's not magic. It's literally the the world around us, the universe, uh, coming into sync and uh, giving us all kinds of messages, all kinds of signals, all kinds of direction. So uh, people that will say they're not intuitive, 
they truly do not recognize what it is. They don't expect it. So a lot of people will tell me they're not, um, they can't do mediumship because they don't see the deceased people uh, with their eyes open. And I will say, well, what about in your mind's eye with your eyes closed? And they'll say, well, that's not uh, intuition. And I said, well, Apparently, I'm pretty good at this, and that's how I receive a great deal of mine information is with my eyes closed, and it and it's coming in as pictures in my mind's eye. So I, I would say people struggle the most with expectations and fear. They're they're terrified. Then other people are terrified that they will see some. So those two those two really stand out and really get in people's way. They want it so much. And then at the same second, they're terrified that they are going to experience something or see something. And yet they're yearning for it at the same time. It's very interesting. And that makes me think about this communication between the unknown, let's say, the uh, spiritual spirits, deceased people. They're trying to communicate with us. I'm wondering why they're trying to communicate. There are different reasons, Tina, for that. Mm, there's lots of reasons. Uh, yeah, because because they're first of all, they're real people. They're just as real as you and I are right now. So when a deceased person comes in, uh, just here sitting in my own home, or if they come in during a session that I'm having with an alive person, they I simply uh, recognize them as a client who needs or wants something. So they're just as real as we are. So uh, their needs and wants can be as varied as any alive human being can be. Uh, So oftentimes they are afraid to cross over into the light because they think they they weren't a good enough person. They uh, say, I can't go until I get this message you know, to uh, my family. Um, It's just uh, uncountable reasons, but basically they need or want something. Maybe, yeah, don't know exactly why, but I don't like the idea (laughs) of having them, although I do feel them around me. It might be a belief system that the way I understand this whole mysterious, beautiful experience here is um, that there's no two really. It's everything's a reflection of what this is. Well, but you you uh, are also noticing that you do have a sense that sometimes someone is there. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't mean you have to communicate with them. But the, again, it's it's that we are in a non-physical world and a physical world at the exact same time, actually. So to me, it's the most uh, normal way to uh, to live. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not two different things. It's not oh that exists or this doesn't exist. Um, it's it's all at the same time. Yeah, that's helpful. Yes. Okay. Very mm-hmm. helpful. Thank you, Tina. Yeah, that clarified something in here. <laughs> I love the um, essential points that you have in your book. You have so many of them. They're so oh, well, thank you. Interesting <laughs> to me. There's one that you say worrying about being right is the opposite of intuition. So the idea of being right or wrong or being right, so that's not the point, really. It's not about being right. 
Yeah, I ask people to notice more about the process of receiving the piece of information. Uh, and the more you allow the and the more you trust, uh, the trusting of it like opens up a, a huge highway, a uh, very clear, cleaned off highway to receive information. Uh, so that, again, that trust level opens up the doors to um, to the non-physical world, to spirit, to God, to source, uh, whatever words people are comfortable with. And you also, one of your essential points to talk about honesty. So honesty about yourself at this point is crucial. But there's something else that you talk about. Yeah, the pronunciation is aura, the aura. Yeah, talk to me for a moment about that. Well, because we are very electrical, the human body is very electrical. Even the Western medicine, they are uh, the tests that they do on humans are based on measuring electricity. So, for example, an EKG, they're measuring the electricity in the heart. An EEG, they're measuring the electricity. Uh, in the brain. Um, an EMG is measuring the electrical flow uh, in the muscles. When someone uh, has a cardiac arrest and you'll see on TV, they put the, the paddles on the person's chest and shoot electricity. It's because we're very electrical. And every time our heart beats, each beat is set off by an electrical spurt. So the aura is literally the electrical aliveness. We can't stay stuffed down underneath our skin. Our skin is not insulation to keep the electricity in a wire going to the lamp. It actually vibrates out in every direction. And the aura is full of information about us um, because every color is an electrical frequency of information. And our aura changes with every thought we have, with every rush of emotion that we have. So I also, and I've not read this anywhere, but I um, keep being told that the aura is actually the energy of the, it is the soul. It is the aliveness, that foreverness that we have. In the, the aura, a lot of people say, well, I can't see an aura, but if you just practice, practice, oh, with somebody like a, a singing in a choir or a choir. I'm looking out at a, the woods behind my house right now, and, and the aliveness in the trees has an electrical vibration. So even the trees have an aura. It's just the, the aliveness that can't, doesn't stay inside of the physical body. Do you help people long distance? Oh, yes, yes. I, In fact, I have clients uh, all over the globe and have for quite some time. I no longer, uh, because I'm so busy teaching, uh, when I work with an individual, I am doing what I call mentoring sessions to help them build their own skills. Uh, so I, I no longer, uh, you know, do what most people would consider readings because I'm so busy teaching Yes, uh, I have um, clients all over the world. Uh, in fact, nearly every day since I'm not able to travel to different countries for my workshops right now, 
Uh, I'm doing them on, you know, Zoom, like the whole world is on Zoom lately. And so, uh, yeah, every, every day I have clients from all over the place. I do have a few questions left here, but before I ask you these questions, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, Tina? Oh, what I'd like to add. I just love it that more people, especially right now, are telling me that they are slowing down, that they are noticing life in a different way around them. And I think that's one of the things going on in this uh, changing world right now is so many people, apparently they needed to be forced to slow down, but it's bringing such a richness of life in so many ways. And uh, that might not be something that people are talking about, you know, very much. So a few more questions for you. Let me ask you this one. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? I think that is uh, so profoundly individual that success is a, a feeling of doing what we were supposed to do in this current life that we're in. And sometimes that's not, oh, you know, getting awards and, and taking action. Oftentimes it is a very internal process of awareness. Uh, so success is very, very individual, I think. Yes. Very individual. True. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I hope that that's what everyone is achieving and at least uh, attempting to achieve. So, yes, I, I think that is the ultimate, ultimate bottom line goal is to feel that for ourselves. It's good to practice it with everybody else and to achieve that. But, you know, we're here as individuals. We, no matter how many people are around us, we are still individual. Even when we, it's our time to pass and leave this physical body, we, the room could be full of people, but it's still a very individual process, a individual experience. So, and I think it's all about that self-love completely. What is another word for healing? I would say it's release. Release. It's release of whatever the burden was. The burden could have been trauma, it could have been thoughts, it could be an event, but it's the complete and permanent, I'd use those two words, release of the burden. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Well, uh, probably my response to that might might be surprising. I uh, About three and a half years ago, I was teaching in New Zealand and uh, became very, very ill, and I did have a near-death experience. And I have to tell you, I was in that experience and very much out of my physical body. And the only word for it was I was elated. There was this gentle, blessed happiness, but elate, but that doesn't even define it. It was um, an elation. So it's changed um, me quite dramatically. So would you make any change? Would you do wake up and do anything differently than you do today? 
I would have to say no to that because I have such a fabulous sensation that I'm on the path I'm supposed to take to expand people's awareness of their own wisdom and the wisdom around them and how to notice it, receive it, live by it, learn from it. That's what I would say about that. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Your questions are so thought-provoking. Three things that I know for sure is that the people, the earth, the cosmos, the universe is all a a living process and and living experience and the wisdom. I know that there is wisdom. And if you allow yourself to notice it and to live with it and live by it, I know that for sure. And I know that the vibrant, the love is a frequency, a vibration that is fine, light, and transforming. It has been a beautiful experience, this conversation. Thank you so much, Tina, for your peace that emanates through you and your wisdom and uh, everything else in between. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. So I have one more technical question, this one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, my website is uh, literally tinazion.com, and my books will will be on there, and uh, my recorded workshop and my live workshops and things like that. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. I hope so. (laughs) Bye for now, too. All right, bye bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Tina Zion and her work, please visit tinazion.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.